Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast coming your way. Episode number 181. Hugh Jackman we're doing today. The Wolverine from X-Men. Steve Schmee and the Wolfster. How's it going? Wait, wait. A bit better than yesterday. And uh, this, one, this guy I like because I think he's someone who's actually got into training, not just doing it for movies and whatever else, but kind of enjoys it now. So I, I like that. That's like he's got the bug, which is like I said on, on the pre-show or the after show yesterday. Yes, this is good. So Hugh Jackman, he's an Australian-born actor known for his role in the X-Men series where he played Wolverine and Logan slash Logan. He then held the record as a longest career Marvel superhero live action until Tobey Maguire broke it. You know what Tobey Maguire was, Mobster? What a man. Oh, oh, you're good. You know your you know your comics, buddy. I'm a bit, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the f- film series total 17 years made billions in the process. He also starred in various movies and also did animated films. We're going to talk about his career. Quite an interesting fellow. Peak stats when he was Wolverine, six foot two, 190 pounds, 7% body fat, absolutely a ripped physique. He's not a pro bodybuilder physique by any means, but for acting standards, yeah. he, he, you know, he was good. He was good, basically. So although he was Australian born, his parents were from England. So we have to bring in Mobster to talk about his early life and and kind of explain um, he's his countryman, so he doesn't consider him his countryman, but I do. And we're going to bring in Monster <laughs> to talk about his early life. Tell, tell the listeners. As, as Steve, Steve suggests, I suspect it's more case of convenience. He's being born in Sydney, Australia on October 12th, 1968, but his parents aren't Australian. Uh, father was an English accountant and mother was also from England. However, they moved to Australia in 1967. So naturally, of course, this gives him dual nationality, which I have to say, and I said this to Steve in a pre-show, probably useful for uh, when you're coming to different countries and uh, promoting movies and promoting whatever you're involved in at that time. Naturally, being from Australia, very big on the outdoors. Uh, it's just, there's so much room in Australia. I think I told Steve on an after show yesterday, there's one ranch that sticks in my mind is 1.2 million acres. I think there's another one that's something crazy like 9 million acres. There's a lot of room to go playing outside of the cities. And I think they've got uh, mountains that are similar to the Alps. So they've got some great breaches. So if you're into your outdoor stuff, Australia is a really, really cool country to do that kind of thing. Naturally, and, and I think this probably applies to a lot of actors, is this idea of traveling the world uh career dream being a chef i suspect probably on cruise ships and whatever else and it's it's a funny thing steve i think you might probably you have a little bit it's um venice beach is a good place for it we have a couple of places i think shepherd's bush in london 
where for whatever reason, if you're going to travel the world uh, with au pair, waiting, whatever, there are certain places they all seem to go to, certain pubs, certain places they all end up. So Shepherd's Bush, which is somewhere near the, the centre of the city of London, seems to be a great place. Lots of bar work, that kind of thing. And it's one of those kind of rites of passage, Steve, where you go out, you see the world, and then you come home and you get a career and whatever else. Sometimes done after college or university, you have a gap year. But for Australians, it seemed to be quite a big deal. And it's funny, really. You know, emig parents are emigrating halfway across the world, and then you want to come back to where they've come from and, and, and see the motherland or whatever. So, yeah, it's one of those things that lots of people seem to, seem to want to do. Um, it says here also in your article, during the final year in college, you had to make up credits, so you took a drama class. And bonding with the other actors and feeling at home, this is where he fell in love with acting, Steve. So, yeah, I think it's one of those things, like I said, with the Iron Bug, which we'll get into in a little while, you sometimes find your niche in life. And, and Hugh, naturally, because we can see he's a great actor and we, can, we love the roles that he's done, that's his thing. It's like us with the Iron, he did with acting, but he also got the Iron. But we'll get into that in a minute. What about his career, Steve? I'll let you take the boat. So let's get into how he moved his way up. So how did this guy who wanted to be a chef, how did he end up getting into it? So, you know, sometimes you fall into stuff. He fell in love with acting, just being around other people. And I've been there, done that as well. Um, you know, I actually didn't fit in well with, with a lot of actors back when I did acting. Um, they're, they, sent, they tend to be a little eccentric, I would say. I'm more of a... You know, square guy. I don't have like tats. I don't have piercings all over my body and all that stuff. And a lot of them seem to be very eccentric. So I'm more eccentric on the inside. I'm more creative on the inside. But I don't show it. Yeah. Jump, Go ahead, Mom. Mm -hmm. I'll jump in here very quickly, Steve. I have the pleasure many, many years ago of meeting a couple of actors that were doing TV stuff and whatever else. And I think it really depends on the personality type and your strength of personality. And there's kind of an argument. Uh, I don't think it applies to Hugh, but it's kind of an argument sometimes with the entertainment, and that is this need to be liked. Now, as bodybuilders up on stage, there's kind of an argument for that. Weightlifters trying to hit certain weights and whatever else, wanting, wanting you know, people to go, that was amazing, you look fucking great, that kind of stuff, whatever else. But sometimes with acting, it's kind of almost, a, it's, it's kind of weird in, in that you see a, du a duality and if you're fairly straightforward, as I think me and you are, what you see is what you get. Doesn't the personality doesn't change? Some people might not not always see everything of you, but you know it's always been there. They oh I didn't think he was like this. I didn't think he was like that. We're quite straightforward. We like training. We like lifting. We like talking about training. That's probably kind of it, you know. And we have other things that we do to sort of take us away from those things. But the, the basis for us comes back to lifting weights and whatever else. I think sometimes with actors, this was the experience with a couple of people I saw that had done kind of uh, low-level roles on TV and whatever else. It was, it felt kind of like borderline schizophrenic. So if they're not sure of themselves in their way in the world of wealth, especially for the younger ones, you're you're dealing with that person searching for something, and at the same time being hungry for fame. And in fact, you you have it in the states, we have it here in the UK and around the world. We see this with the reality shows as well, where there's a person that's searching for some easy way to be liked and loved without realizing there's a lot of work that goes into it and whatever else. And in the show that we did yesterday, we talked about that actor's journey and starting literally at the ground floor and working his way up all the way through his career. And Hugh's got an element of that, as you're about to address. 
So I think that kind of grounds you. It's like a sort of foundation and, a, and an apprenticeship into that stuff. And it enables you to take fame not quite so seriously. And I mean, let's be honest, Steve, if you've seen any of his like chat show interviews, this guy's having a great time. He enjoys doing what he's doing. He, he, he's, he's loving life. And so there doesn't seem to be like you're getting two different kind of personalities, uh, an actor and something else with, with you. So maybe that's what we're talking about, especially with the guys that are trying to get into a role, trying to get that thing that's going to make them famous, which is what you would have dealt with at the beginning. Well, what was interesting about Hugh, and this is this kind of shocked me a little bit. I didn't include it in the original article, but when he was working on the drama show in Australia called Corelli, which I've never heard of. I don't know if, if you watch it over there. Uh, you're not into Australian shows too much. We don't see too many Australian shows. I, there's a few UK shows that we see in the US, but there's not many Australian shows. We used to watch uh, The Crocodile Hunter. Do you know what that is? With the guy who goes, the guy, remember, he, who goes around yeah, and, and harasses animals and very famous uh, ended up yeah. passing away was incredibly yeah. popular just before his death yeah, his yeah. he's like all right mate yeah, all right mate he's a, he yeah, would grab yeah, yeah. the alligator and be like yeah, all right mate all right mate yeah yeah, yeah. he played with the animals. animals one of scruff of the neck and sort of holding it up to the camera like this and go like, what the fuck yeah yeah. yeah yeah that's another uh australian stereotype americans think all australians is um and we had crocodile dundee yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so all americans think that all australians are like that now because of those characters, they don't understand that Australians are just you know normal people. <laughs> They're not a bunch. Of... So, but anyway, what was interesting about this? He met his future wife, Deborah Lee Furness, in Mobster. She's twelve years older than him. Okay, uh, you like that, right? You're you're into you're done. into the milfs, right? Have, you're into done. the mil the gilfs. Are you into the gilfs? One of my one of my relationships back in the day was a nine year age difference when she was my boss at work. So yeah, that I've been there. I've seen that. I've done that. Oh, okay. So you're into the power trip, right? You like, you like the power. You like <laughs> I like to wind up the girlfriend I've got now. I've been with quite a while. And she's only about six or eight months, but I say she's the older woman just for shits and giggles. And of course, you know, I say, well, you're much nearer to 60 than I am and all that kind of bother. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I got you and one. I got Rick on the other podcast who goes after women who are like 20 years old who can be his daughter. So he's into the daughter fantasy. You're into the mother fantasy. All right. So I'm going to be able to hold a conversation. Yeah. I'm back. I'm that old now. <laughs> I'm just something I see on TV in my teenage years, and the person, if I was having that conversation, wouldn't have been born when the TV show took place. So I'm getting to that age now that my references, like, do you remember using a dial-up telephone? And they'll go, dial-up what? You know what I mean? It's, no, no, that's not good, mate. No, no, no. Rick's probably spend most of his evening explaining what the fuck he's talking about. So, Rick, enjoy it, but it's not for me, man. Not that way. No, it's the yeah. look at, but I don't want to have a conversation where it's, <laughs> they, 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 they were, they were, <laughs> I finished school before they were born. No, 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 no. So, I mean, that was, that was pretty interesting. That tells you a lot about him. And yeah. he does have two children. Oh, with her. They got married in 1996. So uh, let's see here. He was, let's see, he was, um, yeah, he was young when he married her. He was like 28. Right, mm -hmm. he was born in 1968, and they got married in 1996. Yeah, yeah. So 
he was 28 and she was 40. So, yeah. So that's interesting. Really, usually these actors, you know, they marry younger. So that's kind of cool. So he then starred as Gaston in Beauty and the Beast and was a hit on the musical stage scene. In the late 90s, his main focus was television and musical theater. So that was pretty interesting. He became well-known outside Australia when he landed the leading role in Oklahoma, which earned him an Olivier Award. So that's a big prestigious award. So in 2000, he broke through. He starred in X-Men, which was a huge hit, $300 million on a $75 million budget. That's a pretty good investment. The role was supposed to go to another Australian mobster, Russell Crowe. From the Gladiator. Remember Gladiator? Yeah. Yes. He was in A Beautiful Mind. He's been in a few really good movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great films. But he turned it down and he recommended his buddy Jackman instead. So that turned out really good for Jackman. I don't know if, how, if Crow could have pulled that one say, off. Steve, I don't know. How, how cool is that? There's a top, top actor. There's a lot of rivalry, a lot of competition for this kind of stuff. And, and you don't, I mean, you're going to know who else is up for it. But to recommend someone else... And have this eternity to be just not muck around. This is a real career gift for, for, for someone like him. And of course, as we said, he's been playing that role a very long time. He's well known for it. And of course, the focus of our podcast today is kind of how he got in shape by those movies. Never mind the fact that he can sing and all that kind of stuff. So you're a great actor. But when you're when one of the top other actors, competition, a rival, but also a buddy recommends you. That's cool as fuck. That's 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 friendship right there, man. Putting you forward for something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd probably joke if I was Russell Crowe about what the percentage. But uh, yeah, I mean, the amount of money that he's probably given to him without realizing over the movies that he's done and the, and the salaries that he's been paid, what a gift. That is, that is very cool. So what's interesting, he went from being in musicals and doing very well, winning award, to going into X-Men. His wife found it ridiculous. She didn't even want him to take that role. It's but lucky for thing. him, he went for it. He cooked the role and it launched his career. So there's been a lot of a lot of people are into this superhero comic shit. I'm personally not, but I know a lot of people that are. I've been to Very the quick. it's all young people at the movies mostly. Yeah. So there's a big demographic for it. I'm going yeah. to jump in here, Steve. That's the two things, especially of his age and especially the wife and the age difference. Most women, especially 40-year-old women when they got married, they don't get the comic thing. They just do not. And Although it's on with the Marvel, you would not have the Marvel movies, you would not have the DC movies, you wouldn't have any of these live live action comic type stuff, cartoony things, whatever else. Some of those movies have been even the CGI stuff as big of a movie as any other movie that's ever been done in terms of the income, in terms of the impact, in terms of whatever. Like fast cars, there is now a good percentage of women, especially younger women, as you said earlier on, to getting into this stuff. And I think there's even an element now with the comic con type things, these these big exhibition type things, when you go along and you can meet the actors and you can meet the artists and you can meet the painters and the drawers and the writers and whatever else. There's a bit of fun for the again younger generation, just for a crack, just for enjoy yourself. A lot of people go to this once or twice because there's a bit of fun like dressing up and it's fantasy. Uh, and, and people don't take it too seriously. There is always going to be the hardcore niche people, you know, turning up looking like, you know, an alien at every single one or something out of Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever. But for the most part, especially when he was getting married, especially when his role came along, women of his wife's age, it's like, why, why are you doing something that's been like of a comic book? We want a serious role. You're a great singer. You're a great actor. You've been on TV. 
you've done daytime TV, you've done movies, and you want to do a role, uh, something out of a comic, and it doesn't quite figure out. However, as you say, he took it, and he's, he's, he's rode that horse all the way, as it said, and done very well out of it, Steve. Yeah, he's really, um, really, really a talented guy, really. If you can do musicals and then switch to doing superheroes, that's that's talented. So um, there's different body transformation he's done for different roles, which I find really, really good. And then he also played other well-known roles in movies. 2006, Prestige. He was Chris. It was a uh, Christopher Nolan thriller. Christopher Nolan is one of your top directors over there in England. Yeah. <laughs> He's an excellent uh, director. I believe he also directed Dunkirk, which Batman. was an excellent, huh? Batman, Batman as well, I believe. Yeah. And so he's done a lot. He's a, he's like the Steven Spielberg of, of, of Britain. So he's really, really good. So you get in the Christopher Nolan movie, you're good to go. On yeah. the flip side, he's played some roles which were forgettable. Um, a lot of these big name actors, I mean, we can go through the list. I mean, they they end up playing uh, roles they regret. He played uh, Woody Allen's uh, 2006 movie called Scoop. And he played Blackbeard in Pan which was a hammered pretty hard. I'm sure you're a big fan of Peter Pan, no? Over there in England, no? Maybe when I was a child. And I oh, think is that an American on... thing? It's it's weird. I mean, it's like a weird, you yeah, know. Yeah, the, the whole TikToking crocodile and the pirate with the hook and all the rest of that kind of stuff. You're I, not into I, that stuff over there? Only, I think it was one of those things where my mum got tickets and kids could go to some matinee or something when I was a kid. It was not something I was into. I understand as an adult the whole fantasy side of it. But yeah, I mean, what you're talking about here, I feel maybe it was just the money. And you think it's going to be a much bigger or a better movie than it is. And that's, that's, I mean, honestly, even Robert De Niro and Al Pacino have done crap movies. I mean, Robert De Niro especially done some really shit and comedy. So you go, right, okay, this is, I think of it's like mother's lessons again. You're making better choices, learning. And then as you said, challenging yourself sometimes. So not every role is going to be big. Not every role is going to get you an Oscar. Not every role is going to give you 30, 40 million dollars or whatever else. So what the hell? I mean, so yeah, I mean, the, 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 I've, I have not seen either of these movies, so that says it all, man. Honestly, I watch shitload of movies. I probably watch three, four movies a week, one way or another, uh, online especially. And I haven't seen either of these. They, they didn't sort of grab me. I think we said this on the, the podcast yesterday. There's some stuff there, there and you go, this should have been made for TV. It should not have had a budget. Uh, uh, you know, Sharknado, that kind of stuff. It's become almost comically stupid. And, you know, a tornado with sharks inside. I mean, come on. It's that kind of stuff. And yet people are almost doing this stuff now for the giggles. They, do, they only give me 50 flowers and it was fun. And you go, why? Why did you do this? You mentioned it yesterday, Steve, with the Rotten Tomatoes. I bet both of these got shit fucking reviews. They really, really did. Why? Why? The next one, which I'll address, I have watched, which is Les Miserables, with Anne Bancroft literally crying on screen and so her own hair being cut off for one of the scenes. And I, it, this is a great movie for one of the big, if you've got a big screen projector like I have, or you go and see it in the cinema, it's, it's I don't know necessarily that I enjoy the story so much as I enjoy, enjoyed the show. The singing's great. The visuals are amazing, especially on a big, big, big screen. Uh, the, the story's been done and again and again, but then when you see like Anne Bancroft and, and Hugh Jackman up there, and again, especially, it's kind of what's in your mind. I didn't know that he could sing before I do now. But when I'm, I'm like, oh, I see this guy in an action movie, and here he is singing. And, and quite a good. 
not not pop star going to record a hit good but good for what you consider in your own mind the fixation of him being in his other kind of movies and so it is a great one to watch even with the girlfriend the wife whatever else they'll get into it and you can sit there and go wow who did really well maybe not necessarily the greatest story you've ever seen or something as a fella but a great visual feast and, and put it on you know put it on the big screen and, and pump those speakers up especially for the songs and whatever else and again maybe it's one of those things you, you enjoy as you get older so something i appreciated a few years ago but maybe i wouldn't have appreciated in my 20s anyway what do you reckon steve well, what was interesting is he got the Golden Globe for it. So that was one of his rec- recognitions for it. And then in 2019, what was interesting, he got his first world tour to perform songs called The, the Greatest Showman. And for that one, he earned a Grammy Award. Grammy Award is one of the most prestigious awards you can get in music. Yeah, yeah. And then in 2021, returned to Broadway to do more musical. So it just it, it's it's very fascinating to me how he can start off doing shows then go to musicals then go to superhero then go back to musicals and do a world tour yeah with music it's pretty pretty incredible this is a guy this is a very talented guy for sure you know so now with um charity work uh, we're gonna get into workout style and his steroid cycle and i'll get into the fun stuff it's always good to learn more about these guys because you don't assume um, if, if I asked any of the 14, 15 year olds at the, you know, at the movies who are watching him, hey, do you know this guy um, also sings? They're going to look at me like I'm crazy. So it's really good to learn about these guys and how they got to their work because it's always a very interesting story and a little bit about their background. We have some fun with that. So we're going to get into the fun stuff, the workouts diet. Um, Mobster's going to get into workouts. But first, we have to discuss this charity. Uh, these guys make a lot of money um his world tour singing you can make a lot of money doing that i mean just selling the tickets and selling the dvds and and all this stuff and having it on on social media and getting the views and the advertisements and stuff so we know the guy makes good cash very good humanitarian worked on causes from the global warming to helping entrepreneurs which is a big deal in australia by the way australia is getting absolutely crushed with when it comes to weather way more than either us or britain and then uh he also helps which is really this is one i really like he helps entrepreneurs mobster get on their feet in poor nations to help even the playing field because a lot of entrepreneurs in these other countries they just don't have the opportunities their their country you know very poor they don't have the money their countries are at war and all this stuff but they have really good ideas that can really make good money and help other people, but they don't have the access to it. So he helps them with that. So that's really, really cool. And he has a coffee company that donates its earnings to education and development worldwide. Education is the key in anything. If you don't like I, we mobster and I talk pre-show post-show mobster is a wealth of information. So mm. mobster is always picking up information. I'm always picking up information. Um, and it's very important, guys, every single day, guys and gals, every single day to educate yourself, whether yeah. it's going to college, going to university, um, you know, finishing your degree, whether it's gaining knowledge, reading books. Mobster reads a lot of books. Um, he has a whole yeah. book rack behind him. I agree, yeah. A lot yeah, of people don't, you know, watching documentaries, all this stuff. So this is stuff that he helps with um, spreading knowledge. And that's how you improve yourself and improve your life throughout the world. 
And there's a post on Twitter where he offers 100000 to a nonprofit charity for people. And so he does a lot of good stuff in the world. So Mops should chime in on that a little bit and then talk Very about quickly, his workouts. Guys. Everyone wants to know this his workouts. My, my tip of the day, one of Mops's words of wisdom, some of my knowledge comes from just age and experience. And we, we talk about this in the disclaimer that Steve and I have both been around the scene, Iron Game, for a long time. And our love and our passion for the Iron Game and our knowledge and our experience is what enables us to do this podcast, be asked to do the podcast by evolutionary bosses and so on and so forth, right? And then, of course, we've both been in training. Uh, I've been collecting magazines probably, I'm going to say since 15, but I think the majority of my collection is from, from 1980. So 42 years just collecting the magazines and the books I've got, and I've got thousands. So he's also correct. There's a quick, so the tip of the day is this, guys, read a book. And I mean, literally a paper book with a card cover or a hard card cover. And scientific evidence is, goes thus. If we search for stuff on Google and, and we call ourselves informed and we call that research, and I talk about this on the forums all the time, it doesn't stick as well as, for example, downloading something to uh, your phone or your laptop or whatever, that your tablet, right? But that doesn't stick as much as reading it from an actual book. Now, I mentioned how I watch, like Steve says, documentaries, I watch movies, there's loads of stuff you can do online in that particular regards. Small screen when you're doing that. I can use my phone and hook it up to the projector to watch it on a big screen if need be, download it to the phone and so on. But what I also try to do is uh, uh, before I go to sleep, I, I've got, <laughs> it's, I need to sort some of them out. So if I've got a small stack of books by my bed, it's like, how many fucking books am I reading? And at least one of those for about half an hour, 45 minutes every night, if I'm not doing stuff through the day. I'll, I'll read bodybuilding magazines when, I, when they come for the subscriptions I got during the daytime. And again, it is different from YouTube. It is different from the Instagram stuff. And for us to talk about steroids, for us to talk about nutrition, for us to talk about training, comes from a combination of reading actual books and magazines, putting into practice these things that we talk about ourselves, what we did, the experiments we've done, working with clients, working with people that ask us questions, the knowledge that we build up just answering questions on the forum. Sometimes I have to go away, look, and come back and whatever else, and the repeating that stuff. Like I said, Google, and I Google, Steve Googles, we all Google, but it doesn't stick. So the tip of the day is to actually read. Scientific evidence, guys, backs up the difference between Google versus something you've downloaded versus something in your hand. And here's a final tip for you, and this is more for the school, college, university guys, writing down what you read. That reinforces the information that's kind of making it stick in your brain better than any of the other methods I've already suggested. And again, you can look this up for yourself, find out if I'm shitting you, find out if I'm telling you the truth, and you will find out that the order, the sequence that I've suggested, literally writing down the information, Steve and I, do articles. Steve and I do pre-show research for these things. So some of the information that we put in these podcasts will stick in our brain because we've typed it out, because we've written it down, because we've made notes. And it will stick in our brain, not just for the podcast, which is all we really need it for, but for other times when we're online, when we're arguing, we'll know the answer to a question if someone says, does anybody know how huge Jackman changed his chest? Because we, go we Googled, we read, we typed, we wrote it down. So that's the tip of the day, guys. He's, Steve's quite correct. I'm probably more of a, that generation. That I've, a lot of the books here I've got. <laughs> here's another one for you. They're going up in value. I've got a ton of stuff here that's worth 100 bucks, 150 bucks. 
200 bucks. It amazes me when I go, oh, I paid like 30 pounds and I've seen stuff and the stuff I've got here, Steve, two years ago, 30 quid, it's now 190 quid. So like $250. I'm like, shit, man, I've made money. And I enjoyed reading it. And it's just sitting here on a shelf. And I've got a big building, lots of space. So I can afford to have these kind of things around us. Let's get into his training, Steve. I'll start this, if you don't mind. So the, you go online when you're doing any of these people and the amount of articles that claim to know how a person trained is unreal. We did Brad Pitt for a, the, the, the show before this one. We're doing Hugh Jackman today. And you, there's, there's like five or six different versions. They, they're all kind of the same, but they all vary a little bit. So I think what we're looking at there sometimes is that, the, the, that trainees, the person who's writing the article, their experience and what they think, how he really trained, all that kind of stuff. With Hugh Jackman, it was kind of simple. First off, Hugh posts stuff on Instagram, talks about training, and I'll get into that in a very quick second in terms of what he thinks about training. And you can actually see him working out. You can't see Brad Pitt, for example, that we talked about yesterday in the show that we just recorded. You can't see him training, but you can see Hugh Jackman in the gym lifting weights. And I think it's one of those things, because he's kind of got into it, and I'll address that now. So very quickly, guys, training for a role is a hardcore thing, which we mentioned in previous the last show. We talk about the motivation, the hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, looking good on camera and whatever else. It's a huge motivation, but it's a motivation for that film. It's not necessarily motivation between the movies. But as Steve said, he's done a lot of outdoor stuff. He's swam, he's done, he's this, that, and the other, a bunch of stuff that he's done in his early life. And it's encouraged by the great outdoors in Australia to do that. And the fantastic facilities, the mountains I mentioned, the beaches, the outback and so on and so forth. And quad biking, anything out in the middle of nowhere. We've got deserts that are just huge mountains that are covered in snow year round. Fantastic beaches, great surfing. Here's the thing, right? So being motivated for a movie role, do you carry on after? Hugh has carried on after. And what was really, really cool when I was looking this stuff up, Steve, where you can see him benching one full, you can see him deadlifting and getting really excited about his deadlift, doing 180, 400 pounds, give or take 400 pounds for reps. And the gym, the guys that are in the gym, people are clapping and cheering him on and whatever. So it's not just because it's Hugh, but because it's Hugh doing a PB. And one of the things that he said, which I really, really liked, was I got into this because of the movie roles. But I think I'm going to stay with this the rest of my life. I like training. I like lifting. He was a kind of skinny guy and he's added muscle. And he knows, because we've seen it, that he can do this. As an example, chest and tricep. And this is one of those ones where everybody kind of agreed. Typically 60 to 90 minutes, which is a great length of time for training, Steve, as you know. All workouts, but including his chest. Bench press, I believe, as I said, I think his one rep max ended up being 140. I know that he's totaled over the three lifts, that's bench, squat, and deadlift guys, a thousand pounds. And that was something else that he personally mentioned on Instagram. So he's very proud of himself. All sets, typically three sets I've got written down here, Steve, starting with eight, six, and going down to four. That's kind of my style of training generally. I'm doing a bit more volume in a minute, but right now, typically much lower kind of volume. And I think it's one of those things where, Steve, especially if we're talking about PDs and in the other training that he was doing, it, for the bench press especially, it was kind of a power move. But these kind of sets and reps were the same for everything he was doing. So, for example, bench press followed by incline dumbbell fly, uh, followed by close grip bench press, which was still going to hit the chest a bit, but it's now focusing on the tricep, followed by tricep dips and press-ups. So that's what, see, five exercises, three sets, 
two minutes rest between sets, 60 to 90 minutes. And I said, I got our best one rep max I found online of 315. So that'd be 45 pound plates, not 20 kilo great plates. And I think they use 20 kilo states. But again, um, something talks about, and I'll, I'll address this very quickly. Uh, three months was the typical time that it would take him to prep. That's actually shorter than we talked about in yesterday's uh, podcast. Or Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt did six months, for example, for his role in Troy. Taking three months to get ready for what he called a shirt off scenes. And typically, even though we don't always necessarily see it that way, and I think under the Wolverine movies here, Steve, there's not that much time on screen where you've got your shirt off. You know, there's plenty of time his shirt's ripped and he's got the claws out and he's having massive fights. But most of the time, there's some kind of clothing cover. But there's a particular scene I remember in the movie, which was set in Japan. Um, where he looked hench as fuck and ripped as fuck. And he said it was three months getting ready for that scene. One more thing he did, Steve, and I'll address this very quickly before I pass it back to you. Uh, well, two things, funny enough. One is from each Wolverine movie, he's become more dry, more gnarly looking and more muscular. Up until the very last one, uh, when he plays an older Wolverine. Uh, all the previous movies, he went from kind of muscular to more muscular to what the fuck is that? briefly on screen and they have a trick that he talked about and did this in the chat show he says what's called the dehydration trick and we don't recommend this it's something the sort of thing that bodybuilders especially competing bodybuilders might do but for most of you guys don't do it it might be something if you're already in good condition if you're a model for example you might do and again this is Hugh Jackman doing this for a massive movie role and he talks about essentially Steve three days with lots of water, and he's talking about eight liters. I think he was talking about the equivalent, perhaps, of two gallons, so like sixteen pints of water a day. And essentially, as you know, Steve, that's going to that's going to dehydrate you. People think it won't, but it will. You'll spend most of the day going for a pee. You'll be urinating left, right, and centre. You'll be up to the toilet every 15, 20 minutes. Your bladder will be full. If anything, it's going to swell your stomach up a little bit. But what happens is that in the last thirty-six hours, he has no water. And of course, you're still peeing. Your body's still thinking about all this water you were slushing through. It's responding and reacting to the previous 72 hours of water, 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 water. So it carries on peeing and it starts to dehydrate you. And you start to get that vein popping, gnarly look. And I think he says in, in the chat show, Steve, he says, it's almost, I'm dry. Do this, do this now. Fill me now. And that's when he looks absolutely crazy, like he's going to tear down the planet and kick every motherfucker's ass. And he's just standing there fighting with the side all ripped open with the claws out, looking absolutely crazy. He says, but I don't recommend it. It's not necessarily a good thing to do regularly. Certainly, as you would know, Steve, long term, this is going to cause your kidney issues or whatever else. But for that scene in that, that part of the movie where you need to look a certain particular way, no CGI for real, it's a trick you can do. But again, not highly, not necessarily recommended. I'll let you tuck up the nutrition, uh, Steve. Stay in there, talk to the uh, our, our followers and listeners and see what you think about that. Yeah. Do you think he's, uh, let me ask you this, do you think he's a good-looking guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have to, as I said, when he's on screen on the chat shows, when he's being interviewed for, for movies and whatever else, he's smiling all the time. And I don't think it's one of those, I'm on TV, I'm, you know, I've got a smile, no matter how stupid the questions are. He genuinely seems like he's having fun. And I think that comes across. So he's a, he's a, he's a, even as an older actor now, grey hair for the last Wolverine role, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're, you're kind of like a rugged, would probably be the most appropriate now, but certainly up to the most recent last couple of years, 
a, a, a good looking fella who looks like he's enjoying life. And that's kind of, um, what's the word, where other people around you start to kind of get into it. And so he's smiling, you start smiling. He's having a laugh, you start having a laugh. And he just seems like a good fella to be around and enjoying himself. I think I remember um, uh, Terry Crews uh, for The Expendables and Terry said something like, okay, so I've done this comedy show for years and then I did the very, very famous shirt off Old Spice adverts. But now look at me. They've just given me $6 million to, to film with Dolph Lundgren, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm living the fucking dream. And he's at a premiere. And he's grabbing out of the guys and going, this is awesome. $12 million they just give me for this movie. It's amazing. My life's fantastic. I think this is what you could probably say for Hugh Jackman. He's on the go, right. So I get to play a cartoon superhero and they'll pay me $10 million. And I'm an actor who wanted to be an actor and I sing and I can do this. I'm having a great time and I'm shagging a milf. Yeah, it's all fucking good, mate. So yeah, it comes across that way. I think um, sometimes actors are a little bit up their ass, like we said earlier, and sometimes a little bit serious. I don't get that impression with you. I think it'd be a good guy for you and me to go and have a beer with and, and listen to some of the stories and stuff like that. It'd be a great evening, I suspect. Not necessarily we'd all get absolutely hammered on you know, 20, 20 beers or something like that, but someone you could sit down and have a good chinwag with have a nice couple of beers and think that was amazing. He was a really cool guy. That's that's the impression I get. Yeah, he's a, he's a very sexy man, uh, to be honest with you, from, from what I can see. Um, so let's take a look at his diet a little bit here, Bobster. So he talks about his diet. And uh, for those of you, check out the article. You guys uh, Google his article. I included a video that he did where he talks about his diet for Wolverines. A lot of people want to know what did Hugh Jackman use in that movie. So. His diet, he describes it as, quote, unquote, strict, you know, shocker, right? He says his calories stay 4,000 to 4,500 before dropping down to 3,000 to lean up. So you keep your calories up high like that. You rev up your metabolism a lot. Then you drop your calories. And then your body is still, the metabolism of your body is still strong. So you drop it and it takes time for your body to react. So when you drop calories, your body's metabolism will slow down, but not quickly. So you're able to basically burn more calories than you're taking in that way. So that's a little trick that guys use. I mean, in bodybuilding, you know, guys have used this in bodybuilding. That's why you have off seasons and then they, they get into shape. They eat a lot in the off season, they rev up their metabolism and then they cut their calories in half and then boom, they shred down. But they're still eating a lot of food. 3000 is still a lot. For someone who weighs 170, 180 pounds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the trick to this. They're clean calories, clean calories. So no junk food allowed. So that again also keeps his metabolism strong, keeps his gut strong, keeps his body strong. Go ahead, mobster. Yeah. I'm thinking of two things. And we actually addressed this in a in a show a few weeks ago, Steve. When we talked about his athletic background, which you're going to touch upon. And also, um, especially when it comes to the steroids and responses, I think he was a ectomorph, because he describes himself as kind of skinny uh, when he was in the gym years ago as a teenager and at school and after school. He was very active. So I suspect he's got a fast metabolism. Uh, he's doing stuff constantly uh, to keep that energy burned up, the, the food burned up. And the ectomorphic, the thin skin, that kind of stuff going on. So I think... He would not necessarily be someone that's ever going to be 220, 230, 240 uh, without pushing things 
anabolically, so to speak, to the extreme, but certainly a guy that can look. I mean, we talked about this yesterday again with, with Brad Pitt. You don't need to have a ton of muscle guys to look amazing on screen. Arnold Schwarzenegger was probably at his skinniest, so to speak, for years when he did Conan, and yet people thought he looked like, you know, what the fuck, you know, those huge arms swinging that sword around, abs, shoulders are popping, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of his movies, he's not 225, 230 like he was on stage. He's not 250, 260 like he was in the off-season. He's 215, he's 200, he's a little bit more, you know, somewhere in that range. So I think this is the thing with, with, with Hugh, naturally ectomorphic, naturally active, burning, able to burn 3,000 calories, getting out there and doing bits and pieces, obviously with the training that we described as focused and working with a coach, which we mentioned in the article, you're going to talk about how that person is going to make sure that the training is effective and doing exactly what it needs to be done, pushing him through workouts, what time of day was he training, was he drinking plenty of water and so on and so forth. So they said, and then there's another thing, guys, and we talk about this in, in, in so many shows all of the shows that we do on Evo, including his hardcore podcast are there any surprises in the diet no there are not it's sexy to put on the front page of a, a fitness magazine the secret diet of, of this person and all that kind of stuff and it sells copies of the magazine but what are we looking at here steve chicken fish steak steamed veg brown rice a little bit of alcohol so zero alcohol when, when, when he's doing the movies zero sugar and consuming good fats from eggs and avocado that's the kind of diet you would recommend it's the kind of diet that i would recommend it's a great diet but is it a secret diet is there anything in there that's like rocket science no guys if you put in the work if you have the metabolism if you if you're motivated with a 10 or 15 million dollar payday for a movie this is the diet this is it you know it's not it's not special it's not some exotic food and found in only in the upper regions of the Amazon or, you know, in some lost tribe of Incas, Indians have, you know, found this bean that gets you lean. Nothing like that. The steroids which we're going to get into and anybody we're going to get into, they're almost a necessity, especially when you're adding weight, losing weight, adding weight, losing weight between roles, and especially when you're a diverse an actor, as we say Hugh is, so he doesn't need to be crazy muscular if he's singing the Les Miserables, trust me. Um, and something else, Steve, I've noticed as well, the two other actors that I would say that are probably his closest in terms of their background, we mentioned one already when we talked about Russell Crowe, the other one would be Gerard Butler, and both these guys, uh, we've seen photographs of them bulked up and kind of fat and podgy and whatever else, and all of everybody's getting older, we're all getting older, both these guys, I think they're a little tiny bit older than Hugh, but Hugh's the one that stayed in shape. And what did I say earlier on, guys? Hugh's the one who seems to have suggested, again, via his own Instagram, that he's going to train for life. He's going to keep in shape for life. But looking good on screen, which is what we were talking about today, Steve, does require some assistance. And you know what I mean, guys, when I'm talking about assistance. I'll let Steve start, and I'll finish off on those, Steve. So let the people know what we think he's used to give himself that little bit more of an edge in between movie roles to get ready for a role like Wolverine. What do you think? So, you know, look, at the end of the day, athletically gifted, a lot of body memory growing up, playing a very active guy. So that's why he was picked. Hey, this guy's singing. Let's let's pluck him to play a superhero because we know he can do the job. So one of the things, probably three I use per day, HGH, 
upping it to six IUs during hard training. Got to be careful not to run too much HGH, the side effects, the increase in insulin resistance. Those can be factors. You don't want to get that out of control. So it's very important to cycle the HGH. Don't keep it too high for a long period of time, but use it to help you repair, recover. He's getting up there in age. I mean, he's, you know, he wasn't a young guy when he was playing X-Men. It's not like he was 20, 25 years old here, you know? So the HGH definitely helps him. 1,000 milligrams a week testosterone to bulk up when he's bulking and then drop it down to 200 milligrams a week to cut back down, same concept as the calories. You, you keep the calories high, then cut it down, and then the water retention will come off that way. Trembolone, 800 milligrams a week Trembolone, drop to 400 milligrams a week to improve his cardio. Got to get his cardio improved. So may, he might even drop the Trembolone entirely down when he's trying to really increase his cardio. Because the Trembolone, what Trembolone does in the body is it increases PG. F to A in the body, and that is a prostaglandulin that causes a lot of inflammation. So if you think about it, when you get a lot of inflammation in your body, your airways get constricted. That alone, just having your airways constricted is going gonna, is gonna to hurt your cardio because you're not going to be able to get the oxygen flowing through your body using your lungs to your brain, you know, in, in your mouth, out your, you know, in your nose, out your mouth doing the cardio, you see a lot of people, you know, when you're doing heavy cardio, when you're running a race, like a 5k, see people come across the finish line, they're breathing really heavy. So on trend, you're not going to be able to breathe heavy. It's going to restrict the way you breathe. So on Trembolone, you have to be careful here, but at the same time, Trembolone is great when he really wants to get ripped and, and in shape. And I'll mention one last one, Equipoise, 800 milligrams of Equipoise. Equipoise is great for someone like him who's active, who wants to, Equipoise does, does really good when it comes to cardio because it doesn't come with the inflammation side effects the way Trembolone does. And it also raises your red blood cell count, which most all steroids will. Equipoise is no different. But the thing is with Equipoise, it won't increase pumps. It won't deplete your body. It won't throw off your electrolyte imbalance like other steroids would. So it's really good for endurance for that reason. You're not going to feel those pumps in your legs. So he can do a lot of cardio while on the equipoise and it won't affect them too much. So at the end of the day, really, I would say the base of his cycle is the HGH and the equipoise. And then he'll throw in the testosterone and trembolone to bulk up and then cut it back down when he wants to, to cut. So I would say that's the base of a steroid, but that's not all we, we think he ran. What else do you think he, he messed around with, Mobster? I'll have just a couple of things. First off, the close-up stuff when you're moving around and whatever else in terms of the skin and also in terms of injuries, the HGH is going to be great. I think, Steve, I think I've, I've, I've made a note here saying um, don't forget to keep doing your cardio, guys, even when you're on stuff like training, whatever else. So, again, who, was a, who is, we consider, a, a was and still is hopefully a relatively active guy. Uh, so keeping up your cardio is sometimes difficult when you're adding muscle, getting out, getting your steps, going out, swimming, doing whatever. Sometimes with movie roles, you have to be very careful that you don't injure yourself. Uh, what we're talking about here with some of the cycle is what we call in prepping for the movie. And so parts of that cycle, as Steve quite properly says, about bulking up, adding the muscle between the last thing that you're doing and getting ready. So, for example, Wolverine, adding muscle, putting on tissue, getting lean and then changing the cycle moderating it down 
so that you're retaining the muscle, but you're thinning the skin out. So, for example, and I'm not a great fan, mentioned this before, of Anavar as a great one of keeping up your strength. And we, we've talked about the strength numbers that he's hit, which is quite proud of, visibly celebrating and enjoying those on, on Instagram that I mentioned earlier. And also as a way of keeping that muscle tissue on, especially when he's reducing some of the other elements that we think he may have used to enable him to look that great on screen. Estrogen blockers. I mentioned it in, in the show for Brad Pitt. I'm going to mention it again. No one wants to see bitch tits when you're 40 feet wide on a fucking big screen at a cinema. No one. And, and it's going to look kind of funky. A world famous movie star looking absolutely amazing. But what's going on with the man boobs? That would be weird. And it's not one of a seriously, guys, I don't understand this. You can argue about blood tests, even I would agree. You should get mid-cycle bloods. You should, should know what your estrogen numbers are like. And sometimes you have to manipulate these things, guys. But I'm kind of like, use it every single time, use it. Uh, if, even if it's a low dose, don't risk it. Don't wait till you get kind of, and like I said, you're going to be on a big screen in, in a multi-million, tens of million, if not hundreds of million dollars movie that might make a billion dollars. That might be all seen all over the world. And like I said for the Brad Pitt show, Steve, that could potentially is going to be seen or watched for the next 20, 40, 50 years or more if it's a classic. Um, do I want to see my man boobs up there? I do not. So I'm not going to risk estrogen bloat. I'm not going to risk gyno. I'm not going to, not, it's going to have to be in there. And, and, and one that we, we, we put here to finish off in terms of the uh, PEDs, and of course it's a more modern thing of the last few years, probably incredibly useful, in terms of the uh, cardiovascular impact, Steve, staying fit and also helping him get lean. And that is cardarine at 20 milligrams a day. That is the dose, guys. You don't need to double or triple up to get more. That's horseshit. It works for 99.9%. It's one of those, don't, don't muck around. Don't lower the dose. Don't up the dose. Just use the dose that works. And again, it's one of those things that if he's got someone prepping him, if he's got someone that he's working with and they go, okay, Listen, we need to do this. If you don't look this particular way, we're going to have to do this. And again, it's one of those visual things. It's a very short time on screen. So I don't think it could be a long cycle, Steve. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did four weeks, six weeks. I mean, there'd be a, a run-up just with training and diet, and then a very short period of time, in our opinion, where we bulk up and use steroids or, or, or enhancements, shall we say, be polite to in, in these things. Uh, to get the muscle on, to hold the muscle, and then a little bit more of an alteration to the PEDs, slight alteration to the training to pop, to look amazing on screen. Like I said, that last trick that you mentioned himself specifically would be the dehydration. Now, here's the thing, guys, that no one, no one right now, unless the law changes, is going to go on a chat show or talk about a, a national magazine or, or headline, you know, the tabloid newspaper and sit there going, yeah, I took steroids or I took reform enhancing drugs for a role. No one. And, and the percentage of his audience is going to be young people. So you want young people to do the right thing. You want them to leave if they're going to use performance enhancing drugs for as long as possible. So again, you have a responsibility, and especially with the whole comic superhero type stuff, especially the superhero, Steve. You're going to talk about someone who kind of represents the uber part of us, the, 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 the ultimate man, so to speak, the Superman, the, 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 so, and it's supposed to be a good guy. You're playing a good guy. You're playing a heroic fig, figure in a movie. So what you're not going to do is talk about a performance enhancing drugs. But here's the thing. I don't think it's any stretch for us. And this is, of course, our opinion to say that movie stars 
use what's available, hopefully with good advice, proper guidance for short periods of time for a big $300 million, $1,000 million uh, takings, uh, ticket sales, views, whatever you want to call it, uh, movie. Uh, it would be, it's almost a given, Steve. So there's, I don't think we're pushing our luck if we turn around and say that you may have used performance enhancing drugs. And if we think he did, this, this is the kind of cycle. You could argue maybe about the time that he was on and how much he used. You could talk about the amounts, but I don't think we're too far off the market in terms of, you know, take this, you go and see a doctor, ask for this. I mean, the growth hormone you can get prescribed. And again, you mentioned earlier on, is it going to be an older guy? Uh, the, issue, the only issues in Australia really is the importation through customs. They do not like that at all. They have the same sort of doctors we do in the States, the same sort of doctors we do here in the UK. And he's got the money. So he can go off and get these things done properly, get it all checked out, get himself checked out. And in fact, there's another thing here, Stephen, this applies to the big movies and the big movie stars we're talking about. They will have medical checks. They will have medical checks for the movie to cover themselves for insurance because you don't want your actor that you're paying 15 or 20 million dollars to to turn up with gyno with blood pressure issues breathless falling over and hurting himself and tearing a muscle pulling a peck or whatever else we've to the best of my knowledge all the big 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 action heroes that we can think of of the last 20 or 30 years i don't recall any of them getting like a muscle tear or peck tear or quad tear or whatever else so again, these guys would have their own doctors that they're working with, all done nice and private. And the studio, whoever it is that's promoting or producing the film, will almost certainly, for insurance purposes, never mind if anything else, have these people checked out and make sure that they're fit and well and they can do the movie. Like I said, we don't want no one having a heart attack or having issues with blood pressure when we're in a 16-week production run for a movie that's costing me $300 million. Would you, Steve? So no, no. So I get it. He will get in this done with medical supervision. He'll be getting regular bloods and he'll be getting checked out by the studio, whoever is producing the movie, to make sure he's good to go. So it's a bit different for most of us, Steve. We, we don't have that kind of money. We can't have that kind of frequency of medical supervision and so on and so forth. You do stuff with TRT clinics and the Love Extension clinics. Uh, and again, some of this stuff, in my opinion, would have been prescribed, even if it's for short periods of time. And just work with a good doctor and say, listen, I'm only going to do this for 12 weeks. I'm only going to do this for six weeks. Stop. Can you help me out? You know, pay your bill. And thank you very much. And can you make sure that my bloods are good? Make sure my, my, my lipids are good. And I want to keep, you know, working with a great coach to make sure that your fitness is on point. Because you're going to be running around in that fucking superhero outfit on screen. And like I said yesterday, Steve, when we did the, the Brad Pitt show, some of this stuff is 12 or 16 hours a day. That is hard work. You might be sitting down in between scenes, but when you are on camera, but there's going to be scenes when you're running around in essentially one or two of the movies and what was a leather suit that's very close fitting, so hot and sweaty, and it's a long day. I don't care how much you're getting paid. It's a long ass day, and you've got to look good. But I mean, they'll be doing stuff like press-ups between things and, and bench dips between stuff just to make the arms look a little bit pumped and whatever else. That is, again, visual stuff, little tricks that these guys do uh, so the, the idea that they're using performance enhancer drugs is no stretch whatsoever, Steve. It's, I would say, like I said, it's almost a given. You've got to, to look good, to look amazing. We want our superheroes now to look super. I'm old enough, Steve, for the original Superman stuff. Just about old enough to remember that stuff on screen. 
It looked like a kid wearing pajamas with a belly versus what we got now. We want our superheroes to look like superheroes and not with CG or cartoons or a padded suit, but for real. And if you've got your shirt off, there's nowhere to go, Steve. There's no suit. There's no cosmetic, whatever else. I've seen one thing that's come out of China that was doing the rounds on Instagram a little while ago, but you can still see it's a rubber suit. It looks good, but it's still a rubber suit. What you see with you on screen is what you get. That maybe the lighting, a little bit of makeup, but otherwise it's him. And it's a big movie, lots of money and lots of pressure, and you need to look good. So there's lots of work. Focus on the diet. I'm sure his coach is cracking a whip on the cardio. And then when we talk about his performance answering drugs, Steve, I don't think we're too far off the mark. It's just not something that he would feel probably comfortable sitting down and talking about publicly in any way that could end up in the media or whatever. So because it comes with responsibilities, even if you were drugged up to the eyeballs, it's not, you're not, you're not going to want to talk about it because there are people watching you that could be influenced by what you do, but they're not getting paid $30 million. They're not in a $300 million movie and they don't realize that you're only doing it for a few months just to get into shape. So what do you think, Steve? Look, at the end of the day, you got to look good. You got to make sure you're clean. You got to make sure you're fresh, just like selling fish. It's a business, business, <laughs> business, business. Yeah. So yeah, yeah at the, the end of the day, I mean, uh, listen, at the end of the day, I want like anyone who's in their twenties and you know, younger guys listening to this, younger guys and gals, look at this guy, look at this guy, look at what he's accomplished and look at the physique he has. It's a good, clean yeah. physique. And look at how old he is. I mean, he's in his 40s and he looks fantastic. So your life doesn't end at 25. And you can use steroids. I'm sure he's been using steroids for years. He's always been active. Sure, he's used steroids, but he's used them smart. So when he needs to blast the steroids, like in this cycle, he blasts the shit out of steroids. But when he doesn't, he doesn't. You know, he gives his body a break. So he runs them smart. It's not a marathon it's a it's it it's not a it's a it's a marathon it's not a sprint i was gonna say yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) but he wants a he wants a career he wants to look good on screen and this is the thing right so you've got years ahead of you you've got years and he's still trying he's still doing musicals his dream was to travel the world and look he got to travel the world doing what he loves which is singing and getting paid good money and helping others and changing people's lives. I don't know anybody who doesn't like Hugh Jackman. I'm personally not a fan of superhero movies or musicals. Um, I avoid those movies. I like, you know, other types of movies. Uh, I like, you know, I like other genres, you know, but a lot of people like this shit. A lot of these superhero movies, they make a lot of money. Um, It's a movie you can take your your family to. You see what I'm saying? And and you can enjoy it. And your kids can enjoy it. So that's why these movies make a lot of money. They're usually PG rated, maybe PG 13 at worst. So a lot of teenagers go and see it. So at the end of the day, look, you know, you use these steroids, you use them smart. He looks fantastic, very sexy man. Mobster even agrees. He's a sexy man, um, even at his age. I mean, the guy was born, you know, 1968. I mean, so he's. I mean, gosh, I mean, he's 50, 52, 53. Yeah. I'm 53. Yeah. He's about your age, mobster, and he's yeah. sexy. Oh, yeah. You know, 50. you're sexy. You're a sexy man, too. But I have to say, you, <laughs> he, was, he was better looking than you. I'm sorry. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. On this ah, 
But he was better looking than you. By I would say a little bit. By a little bit. Yeah, you need glasses, man. <laughs> <laughs> so look, I mean, gosh, fifty-two I'm gonna, years I'm old. I'm gonna switch the camera. <laughs> fifty-two years old, and he's still a sexy, man. Yeah. And yeah. he's 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 got a great body, fantastic body, fuckable body, and everything. So guys, use the steroids, but use them smart. You don't want to yes. die at 46, 48, and you don't want to look like shit. Like some of these bodybuilders, they're fucking 45, and they look like they're fucking 70. They look like shit. They've got fucking rolls. They look like a um, – what's that dog with the rolly uh, face? Oh, the oh, Sharpays, is it? The yeah, they look like Sharpays, yeah. yeah years yeah, yeah, of yeah. steroid abuse, years of partying, crack cocaine, uh, all this stuff, heroin, all this stuff, partying and shit. And not fucking sleeping good and, and just fucking not taking care of their body. And they look like Sharpays and they're in their 40s. You want to look good. You want to look like Hugh Jackman at 52. You get tons of women and the women will flock to you, right? And your wife, you if you're married, Steve. your wife will love you, you know? You get work. So. This is the thing. And I mentioned two actors earlier on that have let themselves get out of shape that are very close competition rivals and friends. In, in when I said Gerard Butler and you and, and Russell Crowe. Now, here's the thing the magazine features you can find his photographs online quite easily and it's like gerard uh, sorry uh russell crowe with his belly hanging out and we're all looking at him in the gladiator moving guy he was amazing he looked muscular he was fighting in the, in the arena it was all about da, 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 da. and then you see this photograph I mean, it's a long time 10 15 20 years later belly kind of hanging out looking like a middle-aged fellow who's let himself go drunk too many beers and so on here's the thing guys when i mentioned earlier when it's a business it's also and I don't care it, 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 when it comes to being on screen, it doesn't matter what sex you are, male, female, or misidentified sex, whatever you could choose to call yourself, whatever. You need to look good. And for especially for these kind of roles and to keep getting these kind of roles and to be able to travel the world. If you if you are overweight and out of condition, I wouldn't want to be going around the country doing different singing things or whatever else. I'd want to be in shape just for that. If you're going to be doing 16-week, 12-week filming stuff, you need to be in shape. If you want to keep getting these kind of roles, if you want to keep... I mean, Steve mentioned earlier on the fact that he's putting money into things charity-wise. So for me to be able to earn the money, to be able to give that money away, to do the charitable stuff that I'm doing, I need to look and feel and act a certain way. Now, you can have $300 million at the bank and you earn a certain amount of interest and you give up interest. That's what a good wealthy person does some 5%, 3%, whatever their income given away to charity. But if it comes from the entertainment industry, it's not given that you're going to have a career forever and ever. I mean, it doesn't work like that. You can be hot one day and cold the next. It's popular. Everybody wants to know you. Everybody wants your children. Everybody wants you to go to bed with you, male or female. And the next day, your looks are gone. The next day, oh, they were great in this movie, but they kind of slipped, whatever else. Hugh seems to have had the kind of career that's built up and built up and built up and is still popular, is still good looking, still fit. And as we said earlier on, I'm suggesting, based on the stuff that is on his Instagram, still training and enjoying training. And because of that, and because of how he's looked on screen, and because of the kind of personality and likable, good looking guy that he is, he keeps getting work like that we're talking about. He keeps getting his roles. He's got, Steve, maybe in my opinion, I mean, everybody ages at a different a different speed. But I, my gut feeling is, especially if he changes a little bit in terms of his acting approach, or whatever, he's got another 10, 15 years as a as a top 10, top 20 actor and will stay there 
for that length of time and maybe we've experienced maybe we've aged different kinds of roles will come we've seen this in the 40s and 50s movies you start off as a young starlet and you're doing kind of almost bit part stuff in kind of throwaway movies but you get better as an actor or actress you get more conditioned as, as Hugh has done you're able to bring that to the screen every single time the studios like it producers like that and my gut feeling is especially because he's so diversely with singing in one hand and action movies superhero movies on the other and everything else in between tv rolls a lot building up to the point where this guy's got another 10 or 15 years and it will stay in shape because he trains he'll do what we've talked about already and and again this is the sort of stuff that steve and i were talking about before this is for a role he's not doing this kind of cycle for les mis he's not doing this kind of cycle for soap opera uh, he's not doing this stuff for, for tv whatever else and you see him on screen looking absolutely crazy and then you'll see him doing a chat show with a shirt on a jacket and a tie on and you know he's dropped 20 pounds he's dropped 30 pounds it's not that's a great way sometimes adding the muscle on could be a bit stressful but equally taking it off and not having to carry the extra stress and muscle whatever else and not needing it so it's one of those things Steve. like me and you if we were training for a competition i couldn't do comp four competitions you have done it and i found it incredibly tiring and i was not quite as good as i should have been because if i did one or two competitions a year i was tip top especially during my peak time of lifting one was best for me and i imagine was this sort of stuff where we're talking about the cycle the peds the training the coat the coaching they're doing everything that needs to be done it's for one role a year and so there's no need to be doing multiple cycles if i was him and especially as an actor of his age i'd probably keep the the gw the carter in and the growth hormone in there and everything else would go until i needed to get ready for this kind of role for this kind of movie shirt off whatever else and again uh, these numbers will change as he gets older for different movie movie roles etc i think we're going to see him for another 10 or 15 years Steve. when i say what do you think about the gw and the hgh staying in probably year round just to keep him ticking over keep his fitness going and help with uh, age related stuff as far as the human growth hormone is concerned you think the same yeah i think i think he would probably drop the human growth hormone down to like you know two ius 2.5 ius max yeah. and then yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then the gw you could run it um I, it's a drug i mean it still strains the liver um it's not a hormone so i would with the gw i'd run it for maybe three months four months and then you're gonna have to cycle it off for a couple months just to give your liver a little break and then you could go back on it. So I think he probably wants to stay on, uh, on, yeah. It, it makes sense for him to try to you, you know, use your own. Yeah. But I think, I, I think I, for I sure. Yeah. Being on screen and so on. For sure. HGH and, and, and TRT, um, his age, for sure. HGH, yes. but doing it the smart way, TRT, smart way. If he's not doing TRT now, very, very soon, but actually now that you've mentioned it, yeah. I don't say a very low dose, something like test it, TRT, uh, again, vitality, energy, uh, being driven, uh, being focused. We know, for example, with the re really low T guys, when they get on a, a low dose of testosterone, TRT level, their attitude, that sort of, sort of makes you, you go from being a salesman to one of the best salesmen. If you're an actor, you're more likely to push hard for a role. You're more likely to be more aggressive on screen. And I mean that in a positive way, not, not in a horrible way. His reputation's great. He's not someone who's out drinking and fighting and fucking everything. So we're not talking about that kind of personality. But what we're talking about here is a type of personality and i can see again age as steve says two two and a half i use a day 
I would say probably this GW a little bit longer than Steve's suggesting because it's not anabolic, it's not steroidal. It does have an effect, but then so do over the kind of prescription medication. And as Steve suggests, CRT. I didn't think about it, Steve, but I believe you're correct. So here's the thing, guys. Um, what can you learn? First off, this guy is popular because he's likable. Uh, and he's likable because he's got, he, he, he can sing, he can act, he's a good looking fella. He trains. We like him just because he trains. We, we, we're thinking just for those things. He comes across and if it was late, the stuff that he's doing is positive. He's positive because he's a role model as a superhero on screen. And then in real life, he realizes how gifted and how lucky he's been. So he's giving back. That makes him a great thing as well. So that's stuff you can learn, guys. You know, doing things for charity, doing things for nothing, doing, putting something back into your community or for a, for a good cause. Who's doing that? Why is he likable when he's doing doing chat shows or whatever? Because he looks like a guy that's enjoying being there. There are actors that are super serious, super political, uh, and whatever else. And sometimes you can you can say, well, I've got an influence. I can I can use this position in a particular way. He just comes across as a guy who's just loving being, doing what he's doing. Like I'm, I'm married to a beautiful woman. I've got great family. I've got lots of money. I'm acting in movies that I enjoy. They, they pay me more money again. I get to travel the world. I get to sing. I enjoy singing. What, what's bad about that? Why be negative? So that's just a positive thing there, guys. Sometimes we forget and we moan about stupid stuff. The bus came late. My, my, my food wasn't as hot as it should be. If that's the things you've got to complain about, guys, your life is good. And here's the thing, and I think Steve and I have touched on this in a previous show before. We moan about bullshit. Uh, but you're on a forum. You're talking about using performance-enhancing drugs, which means you have disposable income. You're able to spend some time of the day training, which means you've got time to do that kind of stuff. Uh, it helps you with the stress. It helps you stay good and look young. You, you should be enjoying yourself. And this is something you can get from Hugh. Hugh looks like a man who's enjoying life and having a great time and realizing and appreciating it every single day. It's fucking amazing. Like Terry, they're paying me to act with these guys. I can't believe my luck. The Asian got me 12 million. The Asian got me 6 million. It Life's fucking good. I moan about the weather and the wind and the rain, Steve, and then I'm having steak for dinner and I go out on my walk and I've got Jimmy in the house and I'm getting paid to do podcasts. Hot oh, damn, my life's good. You know what I mean? So there's no reason. Guys, learn that stuff. As always, please note, we are not doctors and the opinions that we offer in this podcast are hours and hours alone. It's our view and based on our experience and views on the topic. Our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the first amendment.